All right, podcast family, when I say we've got a commitment to let you know what's hot off the press, I mean, as soon as it comes out, or pretty darn close to as soon as it comes out, I mean, that really is. That's our commitment. That's our passion. We love doing this. We scour all of the literature and try to bring you stuff that's clinically applicable, sometimes a little controversial, and just sometimes kind of frustrating, like our topic today. Yep, we're taping this on February the 26th, 2024, and we're going to cover an SMFM statement that was released today, February the 26th, 2024. The statement title is Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine Statement on RHD Immune Globulin After Spontaneous or Induced Abortion at Less Than 12 Weeks of Gestation. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, uh, Chapa, didn't we talk about this already? For sure, we totally have. Actually, we've done so several times over. Most recently, we just covered this last month on January the 4th, but we also covered it in 2022 at the end of that year on December the 3rd. And there's been a lot of moving literature on this, mainly coming from the Society of Family Planning. Now, ACOG has also had a statement on this, and it's very hedgy on its bet. And we're going to talk about that in this episode again, because that goes back all the way to August 2017 with prevention of RHD alloimmunization. But we'll get to that in a minute. But I do want to focus on this new SMFM position statement, because, yeah, it would be great if we could all have one thought, all be on the same road, and all have the same message. Can we all just get along? But no. That's right. As you've guessed it, SMFM is not on board with nixing Rogam under 12 weeks. I'm going to explain it in this episode, all right? So this is going to be relatively short. So I want to do a couple of highlights on what's been going on with the avoidance of Rogam administration under 12 weeks or choosing not to give it in that circumstance and how, yeah, we all just don't agree. We're not all getting along on that topic. Again, you can go back to January the the 4th of last month, and then again on December the 3rd of 2022 to go through all that detail if you haven't heard that. But again, I want to focus very briefly on SMFM's new position statement on the very same topic that came out today on February the 26th, 2024. And again, if you hear some weird background noise, it's because we are wrapping up things here in my office. Uh, I still have uh, Dr. Ludwig, one of our residents, out there finishing up some paperwork. So if you hear some background noise, Oh, well, we'll have to do with that because I wanted to get this up and out to you because it's hot off the press. Here we go. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
we really should have some confusion here because on the one hand, you've got ACOG saying, FYI, don't forget, we are still in this geographic ROGAM shortage. It's not everybody, but definitely some hospitals based on which vendor you have are affected by this more than others. I mean, this just came out on Friday, February the 23rd in ACOG's clinical update. I'm looking at it right now, ROGAM immune globin shortage. And let me just read this directly from the college, just proving that, yes, this is real. I mean, remember, it's not like it's made in the lab. This is made from human blood products. So it's we, we've got to be good stewards of our resources. But on Friday, just three days ago, ACOG did remind us, quote, the FDA, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, and the Association for the Advancement of Blood and Biotherapeutics are reporting that Rho D immune globulin, that's RHIG shortages, is still a thing. Now, specifically, it has to do with ROGAM, all right, R-H-I-G. That's the branded name that seems to be in short supply. And ACOG reminds us in this clinical update, look, don't be crying over a shortage of ROGAM. Pick something else. I mean, there's other equivalent products. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's how you get market share of something, right? Like you say, cell-free DNA. And what do most people think of? They think of Natera. I mean, that just because they, they were so good at marketing, even though we th- have things like Unity and, and other options. Um, but it, it's such a great job at marketing that, that it became synonymous with that. How, how do you check for ruptured membranes? People are going to say, oh, I check it with Amnesure. Wait a minute, that's a brand. You mean you're checking for Pam G1? You see what I mean? There's, they've done such a great job that we automatically assume RHIG is Rogam. Well, the problem is once that becomes in short supply, we all freak out. But there's other products out there. There's there's Hyper-Rho. There is a Rophylactic. There's all these different options that you can get that's not just Rogam. Okay, so ACOG says, look, find another source, find another vendor if you can. Um, but the short of it is, yes, this is a real issue with the branded name of Rogam. It is in short supply. And ACOG states right here in his clinical update, quote, ACOG will continue to actively monitor the situation and provide information to members at, as it becomes available, end quote. We've had several communications back and forth through the OB Obstetrics Care Consensus Committee through the college based on this. And yeah, I mean, some people respond back like, hey, as a representative of my geographic area, it's not an issue. Others say, man, it's it's a big issue. I can't get any of it. So it is very geographic in the U.S., but all to say, we do have to be good stewards of this because right now it's not mass produced. It is a blood product. And so it's a, it's a vital, it's a critical resource that can be in short supply. Now, not only is that one reality of it, but in terms of in those who are seeking remote telemedicine, uh, medical termination of pregnancy, the issue of RH factor uh, and not having that checked became an issue, right? So this is where that new data came up, mainly pushed through the Society of Family Planning that really does highlight the data that, look, a lot of those early studies were kind of flawed. We don't really think it's that big of a deal. The chance of getting immunized in the first trimester is possible, but it's really a lower risk. Uh, and so Society of Family Planning has said, I mean, you just don't, yeah, you don't really need to do that. It's okay to do it, but you don't have to do it. 
Now, ACOG has a, a much softer hedge in its bet there because they, they don't make a call one way or the other. It's very clear in their guidance in practice bulletin number 181 that goes back August 2017 that kind of predates all of this more recent discussion. But let me tell you what ACOG says about it. I'm looking right at the practice bulletin. Let me read this verbatim. So ACOG is like, look, I know this is controversial, the whole issue of bleeding under 12 weeks, what to do. So here's what they say, quote, because of insufficient evidence that a threatened pregnancy loss before 12 weeks of gestation requires anti-D immune globulin, no recommendation can be made at this time. And that's the end of it. That's it. That's all it has on it. All right. So it says, look, we don't know. Some people say yes. Some people say no. We're not going to have a comment. We're just going to we're just going to walk away from that and go, um, to be determined. So that is the official ACOG stance as of its practice bulletin from August 2017. So we leave that stance from ACOG in 2017. Let's go forward again. We're not going to rehash all the info that we did on those two previous episodes, but I just want to make the case here that we're not all agreeing, all right? So you have, out of the Annals of Gynecology and Obstetrics, in May of 2021, a systematic review and meta-analysis on this very subject. And it's very clear, after they took a look at the data, this meta-analysis stated, quote, The evidence of RHIG provision following first trimester abortion to prevent antibody formation and sensitization is statistically insignificant and very low quality. The practice of administering RHIG after first trimester abortion is based on expert opinion and largely extrapolated from fetal maternal hemorrhage in late pregnancy. They go on to say, the evidence indicates that the fetal maternal hemorrhage in the first trimester is not enough to cause sensitization. Y'all get where we're going, right? Nothing new. We covered this again in those two previous episodes, but let's end it with their conclusion from this 2021 meta-analysis. They go on to say, Therefore, the recommendation to administer RHIG in the first trimester should depend on effectiveness, resource availability, cost, values, preferences, equity, acceptability, and feasibility of the RHIG provision, end quote. There you go. In other words, well, based on this review, there's no convincing evidence for the benefit of using anti-D immune globulin in the first trimester. So here's where the controversy comes in. All right, the science is not real good. It probably is minimal to negligible risk. However, if we do miss one, the chance of causing isoimmunization in a future pregnancy can be devastating. And that's the catch. Now, remember, this is all before blood tests like Unity have come out uh, that have now given us the ability through non-invasive prenatal testing to look for the fetal RH genotype. And that's remarkable. We covered that on the January 2024 podcast. You got to listen to that January the 4th. We go through all the science there. All right. So it's amazing that now we do have an ability to check the fetal uh, RH genotype through maternal blood with pretty, pretty darn good accuracy. Okay. So, so we do have some room here to, to, to negotiate this, but that's that fear. Okay, the science is bad in the first trimester. I get that. However, if we miss it, isoimmunization is devastating. And that is exactly the point that SMFM has and that they are making in their new position statement. Again, hasn't even officially come out yet. It is an article in press and it's going to come out in the American Journal of OBGYN, uh, the Gray Journal, but again, released ahead of print 
today, February the 26th, 2024. That's the concern is, yeah, I get it, super negligible, super small, um, but if we miss it, it could be bad. So very, I told you this episode is going to be very, very quick, but the take-home point from this is, look, you've got major professional societies here, and the question is, who's right? They're all right. The risk is probably super, super small to negligible for isoimmunization in the first trimester. Remember, the majority of those children will actually be Rh negative. We talked about that in that previous episode. But SMFM is also correct here. I'm going to read you their statement in just a minute. Um, that if we miss it, it could be potentially devastating. So it all comes down to this. Don't get confused. Don't be confused. I'm so confused right now. You see, before I give you the statement from SMFM, it all comes down to this, shared decision-making. And I really like that statement from the 2021 meta-analysis, which was, look, if the resources permit and it's easily available, it's not going to limit some necessary procedure, um, then go ahead and give Rogam. It's totally fine. Now, ideally, it would be beneficial if we could genotype that uh, pregnancy Maybe with, with something like the Unity Test, not a sponsor, uh, but just to get more information. But is it absolutely mandatory? The answer is no. But there are some that, again, don't agree with this. Let me read you just a verbatim from SMFM without going into all the details again, because we've already done that on previous episodes. But, but let me just give you the, the quick synopsis here of SMFM's stance. Quote, These existing guidelines are based on limited data that do not convincingly demonstrate the safety of withholding RHIG for first trimester abortions or pregnancy loss. They go on to say, given the adverse fetal and neonatal outcomes associated with alloimmunization, prevention of maternal sensitization is essential in RHD negative patients who may experience subsequent pregnancies. So here it is as they wrap it up. In care settings where RHD testing and RHIG administration are logistically and financially feasible and do not hinder access to unnecessary care, we recommend both RHD testing and RHIG administration for spontaneous and induced abortion at less than 12 weeks in unsensitized RHD negative individuals. End quote. Well, well, well. So, I mean, again, can we all just get along? But this is the beauty of medicine, guys. Don't let this frustrate you. This is why medicine is a science and an art. And remember, where the data has more than one avenue, what do we always say, guys? It is shared decision-making. And remember, is can this intervention hurt, giving Rogam? Absolutely not, outside of maybe running out of it eventually in mass quantities. And can it be helpful? Absolutely. So I have no beef with giving it under 12 weeks and those who are RH negative. However, not everybody agrees. And it's okay to potentially check the fetal genotype if that's available and cost-effective. I just wanted to get this up and out because I think it really does kind of bookend this recent discussions that we have had on this channel about this. So again, this is SMFM's statement that is not officially out yet. It came out today, February the 26th, 2024. Guys, I want you all to know when this came out. Okay, I'm not being, not being braggy or anything, but I love what I do and I've got a great team. This came out three hours ago, guys, three hours ago. All right, podcast family. So this brings our very, very short podcast to a wrap. I told you, I actually love it. I think this controversy is fascinating. 
And, well, you can lean on either side of the fence. I think it's totally fine to give Rogam in the first trimester. I'm very type A, very OCD, so not giving it wigs me out. But, again, there is data on both sides of this argument. All right, I guess I got to wrap this up because they're about to kick me out of the office. As always, podcast family, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.